In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. You are listening to A Psychic Story, a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. Mysticism. Hi, Psychic listeners. We have Athena Laz back on the show. If you recall, if you're a longtime listener, she was on episode 63, Alchemy of Your Dreams, where we spoke about all things dream related. So if you missed that episode, I recommend you go back and listen to it. But Athena is a dream teacher, intuitive, and depth psychologist. And you guys asked to hear more about out-of-body experiences or astral travel. So I wanted to welcome Athena back to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. It's wonderful to be back. Yay. So I'm very excited to talk about this topic because I've only had one specific experience myself. I'm certainly not an expert. And so I'm going to be learning about out-of-body experiences, which people also commonly refer to as OOBEs and or astral travel. So I'm going to hand it over to you. Like, what are they and what do they look like? So astral travel is quite linked to lucid dreaming, but it's it's different in its approach, right? Astral projection or art OOBEs are when you experience your consciousness or depending on what word you prefer. Some people like the word soul, some people like the word astral body. When it leaves, you leave your physical body and you're able to travel in astral realms. So that's what it means. I'm not sure if that's really clear, but that is what an OOBE is. So where are our souls or spirits? Like, so if we leave, like we're obviously attached somehow to our body. We have our consciousness in them. We have our souls. Maybe we can kind of take a step back of that. Or maybe that's too deep of a question because I, I guess I always think of our souls like not necessarily being in our full body, but still being part of it. And then we would be disconnecting and not be fully attached to our body and yet and be able to astral travel to other places, right? Right, exactly. I think it is a very big question. And I think with dream work and with astral travel work, those questions come to the forefront of our experiences because they are ineffable. We don't all we don't know exactly what it is. And I think anyone saying that this is exactly the pathway, this is exactly what it means, it, it can be difficult that. My experience as a dream teacher, what I find helpful when you're trying to understand the difference of it, right? I'm going to take it back to lucid dreaming because I think it helps to explain astral projection. When you fall asleep and you are able to maintain your conscious awareness 
whilst your body is going into the sleep state and you, but you remain aware and you're able to go into dreams consciously, right? We would say for a lot of people would say that that is an incredible experience, that that is your conscious awareness. Maybe that's your spirit connecting to your soul. So it really depends on how you define it. And you can go from that state into astral projection and you're doing it. I, I really believe that what it is, is that like, if you look at the old school sort of imagery and explanations of astral projection, they always kind of show an image of someone lying in a bed. And then there's the silver thread that keeps you connected mm-hmm. to your body whilst you are traveling in the astral realms. And so for, I think for people, that's a helpful image to have in your mind that there is still this connection, still this thread that keeps you connected whilst you are traveling. So how did you get started in all of that yourself? So there's the lucid dreaming aspect. And again, I know we talked a little bit about it on the last interview when you were on the show, but maybe that's a good place to kind of go back to as well as how did you get started into the astral travel or the out-of-body experiences? So for me, I've had natural out-of-body experiences and lucid dreaming. And then later on, I went to train into it. So I would intentionally set our time to practice. And I think that's a very important thing for anyone listening who wants to astral project, who wants to have a wake-induced lucid dream, which then you can catalyze yourself into astral dreaming. So they're different, two different pathways for the same experience it's practice. And then there's tools and techniques that you can do and a wide variety of them to try and see which one works best for you. For me, in in terms of waking up in a dream state and then being able to project from there, it'll either happen spontaneously because I'll be able to recognize that I'm in the dream state because something is out of place. And I know that's something we spoke about last time. So for anyone listening, that's something you can go back to. <laughs> but really, you know, when you have a dream and then you recognize you're sitting in an office and then, oh my gosh, there's this monkey sitting on your table. And then you realize, wait, I don't even work in an office. I work from home. What am I doing here? I must be dreaming. And in that moment, you can say to yourself, dreamscape clear. You can either create a door and then say to yourself, this door, once I walk through this door, I will astral project and that will link you into astral projection. So that's one pathway of being able to do it. And that's through the dreamscape. And then there are other practices that you can do that you do when you are fully awake, as opposed to lucid dreaming, when obviously you're doing that whilst you sleep. Yeah. When I was younger, I did that where I actually was laying down and there were steps. I don't even remember. I'll see if I can find the book that I, the tips that I did, but it was a quick I think three to five tips and it was lay down, take some deep breaths, clear your mind, and then just intentionally start to feel or imagine your spirit or your soul, whether again, it's connected officially in whatever way. I I don't know the answer to it, but just start to feel it, start to like lighten up and like lift out of your body. And then you visualize, visualize that you're doing that. And then almost every time when I would do this, I was probably like nine or 10. Again, I was really young. I would fall asleep. Yeah. Right. I would fall asleep until one time I actually was in a dream and I was having a lucid dream, just like you were stating. And I realized it was a dream because I was like, wait a second, this wouldn't, this X, Y, and Z would not be happening. 
So I asked to leave the situation, not knowing that I had the tools like you just said, like dreamscape clear, here's a door, walk through it. So I just intentionally was like, I don't like this dream. I don't like what I'm experiencing. I'm going to leave. And then the next thing I knew, I was being whipped around down through the earth, down through the house. I saw my body and then I moved into my body and I was like awake, but I was awake again in another dream. It was like several dreams within a dream. And then that experience kind of shook me. And then I never really explored it again after that. I mean, how amazing. That is the thing. They can, The experiences, they can be overwhelming experiences. And I think that's something also for listeners that I think it is very fun to astral travel. It's fun to do it in a safe mm-hmm. and contained way. But my feeling of it often is that like, I feel the pathway to it sometimes. I guess I have a bias towards this. So <laughs> I actually have a severe bias towards it. I would say go through dream work first and then attempt to do that because in the dreamscape, you can gain proficiency. And the more proficient you become, the calmer you become in the dream. When you're able to wake up, you're able to do things well. You're able to explore in a way that feels very safe and contained. And so when I was younger, I'd have, I would have astral experiences not knowing what they were and waking up and still seeing things which is common in the astral experience so wait you know waking up and then seeing some someone standing in the room different to the hypnopompic state of sleep and also feeling like the bed was shaking like in you know like crazy shaking that I would wake up and I feel like the bed is shaking and what's actually happening is you getting you when you astral travel you're in a different state of vibration and so a lot of people that the first time they do it it's actually incredibly overwhelming because you can get sort of this feeling of feeling like oh my gosh what are these sounds what is the shaking when I'm coming back um or going you know your experience of it actually sounds uh, more uh, leaning more into dream dream work than I'd say Mm -hmm. they're so interlinked you know um it's actually quite hard to separate separate the two in terms of experience you know so when you're saying you go down you see your body and then you're going back into a dream you're in you know you're in dream spaces in astral spaces and then the more proficient you become the more you can control where you go and you can also sort of get taught along the way yeah and I think that's beautiful and I listen you know I think if I experience that now while it still would be a little bit jarring I think I would be able to understand it more. At the time, again, I was either nine or 10. I was very young. And it was just, here's, if you want to try this, these are some tips. There were not any explanations about what you may experience when it happens, which is why I think it's great talking to you because each person, whether again, like you stated, is in the dream state or, you know, actually doing astral travel and what those out-of-body experiences look like. Because I've heard of people going to you know, other areas and locations within the earth, um, going to other planets or time dimensions. I mean, that's way sophisticated, right? But if somebody at least were to say, this may be what you experienced or would, or, you know, could have this experience, then I think I would have been less shook, right? Completely. And I think that's the thing, you know, we're so, we're living in a time where information is so readily available. But I think a lot of people, like I know that was very much my experience as well. There wasn't a lot of information um, or at least for me, like accessible information with that. And I I feel that if you know what to anticipate a lot of the time, it can ease an experience, you know. And I think the tips and techniques that you're talking about earlier to get into an astral state of being, you know, to astral project 
it doesn't need to be complicated. It's actually the same thing with lucid dreaming. It really doesn't need, the steps are not complicated most of the time. It's actually simple. It's getting into a state of being and also being able to maintain awareness, I would say is a very key factor in all of this. You know, I think that's one of the main reasons to do this is to be able to expand your awareness, to expand your consciousness, to be able to see, to understand what you're seeing and experiencing, and then maybe go back and ask why you're having those experiences. So when I was younger, I read a book by, I think his name is William Bullham. And he wrote a lot of, a, a lot of books about astral projection. But back in the day when there wasn't a lot of research done, I would say in the West on lucid dreaming, never mind astral projection, which people still say, you know, it's not scientifically verifiable. You can't even verify it or whatever. But his experience, which I always love, is that he would literally just get into a relaxed state of being and say, this is what I'm about to do. And he, he'd get into an astral, um, you know, to astral project and then simply ask for clarity. Um, and I really liked that when I read that because it made so much sense to me that the intention of why you're doing this and, and what you're hoping to get out of it also influences the way you experience things, or at least in my experience with people, that, that is really something that's come up. Do you think that people, there are some people that just have more of a natural tendency to be able to do this? Like, I think obviously all of us do, but it sounds like there may be more practice or like going through the tips that you just mentioned where you are in a relaxed state and then you have the intention to astral project and then you get into that and then maybe your next step of, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, what is my goal or objective, right? Do you think people just have a natural, some, some just gravitate more or it's easier for them to do? I do think that, but I think that's because we're all sort of unvaried paths along the way, mm -hmm. you know? I think it's a bit like intuition or being psychic. I would say everyone can do it, but I think some people have an inclination to it, a natural proclivity. And I think that's the same with astral work and lucid dreaming, but I think anyone can do it with enough practice. And I think that's the, the main goal, you know? I think that's if you look at any of the sort of ancient texts that talk about dream yoga, which is really what we take, not what we take, but I guess what in the West a lot of people think lucid dreaming is and astral projection, those are steps that you do once you've actually been taught how to calm your mind properly, how to meditate. So dream yoga, for example, if you're going to go and do it in a Tibetan Buddhist practice, you have to go in for a three-year training you know, retreat. And I think there's a reason for that because I think it's so that you're prepared in a way. But I think modern time doesn't really afford that opportunity for most of us. And so whether it's a natural thing or a practice thing, I really think it then becomes a element of intention and focus. Why, what is the goal of wanting to do this and why. And even if it is just fun, you know, I want to experience it because I want to know what that's like. Amazing. Cool. Go for it. I've, you know, nothing against that. I think that's amazing. I think that's a lot of, when I got back into lucid dreaming, a lot of it for me was that just to simply go back into the feeling state of it. You know, I think astral work affords you the opportunity to really get acquainted with realities and the multiverse being able to meet 
guides and beings as well as dream work does. They go hand in hand, in my opinion. So it's really, really a, actually quite a beautiful pathway. It just depends, I think, on what the intention is. Assuming that almost every experience is going to be profound and cool, right? Especially that you you have had. But what are some of the ones where really stand out in your mind or that you might want to share with the listeners about how either what you experienced or how they differed when you had these either astral travel or, or out-of-body experiences? So... I think the one story that I'd love to share, it's actually not my own experience. It was my husband's. And at the time, we had just moved in together for the first time that well, yeah, at the beginning. And he had an experience where he astral traveled in the evening to this place that looked like a desert, was an old shook had this incredible experience of just traveling through that but wasn't aware at the time that that was what he was doing and he woke up in the morning when we woke up together um you know how your cell phone has a lot of cell phones have the location with the weather he literally we woke he woke up and we both looked at our cell phones and his cell phone was the location was literally somewhere in the Middle East in the de- in a desert. And Whoa. Yeah, it was so amazing. <laughs> and that was just the spontaneous experience that had happened for him. And that was quite amazing and really piqued, I guess, both our curiosity at the time about astral work. And then I love another story, which actually happened to my mother. She had an experience where she was just lying in bed and astral projected and didn't, again, didn't realize what was happening. She only recognized what was happening because she hit the ceiling. Um, but not like you don't actually hit. Not, yeah. yeah, exactly. You're not hitting it. You know, she just recognized like I'm in the seat. I'm, I'm on the roof. Like what's going on? <laughs> and then was pulled back into her body. And I think that's also something to mention here that like a lot of the time when you astral traveling, most people, the same with lucid dreaming, once you get into it, you actually want to stay in the state lo- quite much longer than you're always able to do. So, um, the, you know, you look at your body that often pulls people right back into physical form so and then I've had experiences that are very much linked through dream work because that's the pathway that I like to take so it's either wake induced lucid dreaming that goes into astral projection and sometimes I'll do it where I take time in the afternoon to intentionally practice that and astral travel but I would say for me it's much more comfortable through the dreamscape and then I go everywhere and I meet guides it's something that I'm currently very interested in showing other people how to do. I read somewhere the other day that every single person who either astral projects or lucid dreams just one time, they're met with a guide who can help them, but they have to request help. And so I don't know if that's true, you know, absolutely. But from my experience, yes, that is. And from the people who come to my workshops and things, the more we talk about it, that the more that seems to be true. So that really piqued my interest and my curiosity. And for anyone listening, that's also something to think about that. Like if you find yourself in a spontaneous astral experience or even a lucid dream, you can ask for help from a guide and you should be able to receive it or hopefully you'll be able to receive it. So that that was quite comforting to me in a weird way. 
Yeah, no, that totally resonates. And I believe that it's true. Like you said, how do I prove it? Absolutely. I have no idea. But I believe that to be the case because having read up about it when I was younger and everything else, I read something similar that you have a guide or you always have a guardian angel around you. One story stood out and I'll have to again find what book it was and share it in the notes. But it was that this woman was just dreaming and she found herself or falling asleep, I should say, and found herself like suddenly outside her body in a hallway. And as she was walking down the hall, hallway, there was like this, which she describes as a guide or a guardian angel that was like at the end of the hall and said, what are you doing out of your body? Go back. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and she was like, what? What are you talking about? I'm out of my body. She thought she was just walking down the hall, like to the kitchen or whatever, what have you. Now, that was just one of many. But yes, I believe that if you think about the fact that they're with us and, and which I do like on a daily basis in the spirit world or on that other side, helping to guide us, of course, I would imagine that if we're out of our bodies, that they are going to be in that same capacity. Right. And I have had a lot of clients too, or listeners that have reached out and said, Oh, I dreamt about this and I experienced this about potentially a spirit guide. I feel like it was, was that my guardian angel or my spirit guide? And I would say absolutely yes, because they probably can connect and communicate with us a little bit more easier or easily, I should say, when we're in that state, right? Exactly. And I think that's that's also something, um, whilst you were just talking, that reminded me of something, right? Often what, what happens is that you, the second layer, the second realm, I don't know if I like the word realm, but let's just call it that, mirrors the physical world. So if you go into that, you very well could find yourself down a corridor and not even realize that you astral traveling, which I think actually happens a lot of time, you know, when people naturally go to sleep and and dream and travel. I don't think they're exclusive to one another. So you're seeing things that look very similar. So you're assuming that it's a dreamscape as in a mirrored reality, but it can actually be the astral realm. And then the further deeper you get in, your experiences will change because it becomes lighter in um, feeling and vibration. I don't know how else to explain that, but the more people practice them, the more they'll be able to experience that for themselves. And so there's definitely layers to it. But like what you were saying with your experience, when you go into one space, into another, into another. So I think that's that's also something just to kind of, I guess, pay attention to. And also to recognize that, you know, a lot of the time this does happen spontaneously for people. Um, but if you really want to try and actively make it happen, you can think of a place. I think this is a very helpful technique. Try and as you're relaxing your body with the intention of astral projecting, try and think of a space that you are very well acquainted with, but not necessarily the room that you're lying in. So maybe that's your living room or your mother's living room or a friend's living room or whatever. And you try and imagine it to the best of your capacity. And if you can focus on that, it's very likely that you'll be able to travel there. Um, And then you can actually pay attention to what pops up. So one of the dream uh, astral experiences that I um, love to share about, you know, this example is that author that I was telling you, Bilham, his practice when he started astral traveling was very much with the intention of just trying to explore this experience because at the time he didn't, you know, most people didn't know what astral traveling was. And so he would focus on his mother's living room. And the one time he astral projected and he was able to go there very, very easily. And he, his uncle 
who had passed away was sitting there, but he appeared much, much younger um, than he was when he passed away. And he would say to him, I'm so surprised that you can do this. Where did you learn how to do this? And then he got kind of nervous in his astral experience and was sort of pulled back into his body. So that living room example has been very helpful for me when I was training and practicing to do wake-induced astral traveling instead of dream-induced astral traveling to focus on a space that you are very well accustomed to so that there's comfort there and safety there and then move from then, you know, from that position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are really great tips. So to kind of just summarize in a little bit. So the first thing would be to like pick a time, whether it's during the day or evening, wherever you feel comfortable, right? Yeah. And to get in a relaxed state, I'm assuming, does it matter if you're lying down or sitting up? I guess just whatever you feel most comfortable with, right? Yeah, I would say lie down, um, but mm -hmm. I guess that's a preference. Um, I think also because most of the time, you know, you still can get into it even if you do fall asleep. So I'd say lie down. Okay. So lying down and then you just, so you start to get in that relaxed state as you're lying down. And the most important thing of all that I'm hearing, I've heard it a few times is setting that intention of what you want to do. So whether it's the lucid dreaming or then it's the intention to potentially astrally project and then the intention of what you would like to experience. Like you said, whether it's fun or whether you want to get clarity or even just have a general experience, right? So I think being clear about that and then practice, 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 because it might not happen the first time. I know with me, again, when I was very young doing this, I must have tried like 30 times or something or more, like probably a hundred. Every night I went, but when I went to bed, I would try. And then I found to the point where it was a habit and a routine and I wasn't really thinking about it as much. And then that's when it happened, but it happened in the dream state. And that's actually amazing. I mean, if you think about it, a hundred sounds like a lot, but it's really not. It's about three months worth of trying um, to potentially gain access to multiverses. I mean, to me, that is absolutely incredible. And I do think that discipline that comes in with it is maybe something is something that needs to be kind of honored about it. You know, there's something that there, this is something that is very valuable, that can give you a lot of insight, can give you a lot of freedom, even if that's just freedom in your consciousness. So I think having the discipline in a way to try and do it well, um, much like I guess meditation practice. I don't, I don't like the word well. As I said it, I realize that's not exactly what I mean. But trying to honor the process, I guess that's what I'm saying. To have reverence about what you're trying to do, um, because you can gain wonderful access into creative possibilities, into completely incredible experiences. So I think the discipline and the perseverance to just try and do it is really what matters here. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I was also really young there, so I didn't have many expectations or limitations or judgments, I should say, right? Because I was just like, okay, I'm going to try this and see if it happens. I think now it would be a little bit harder, <laughs> right? So who knows? It may take me three years versus three months now from when I try it again. But um, one of the other things, and you said that this was really important, I did not realize that I was doing this when I was younger. And so that's why I'm going to share this with the listeners is that my dad, when, you know, when you're younger and you have nightmares and stuff and you're like, I don't want to go to sleep or whatever. He was explaining to me what, I guess what you're calling more of that, that lucid dream or that consciousness aspect. So he's like, well, if you realize you're in a dream or a nightmare and you don't like it, you can make it happen. Like that's why it's called dreams. Like you can manifest anything. If you want to be in a candy store, you want to experience this. And I remember doing that a little bit when I was dreaming because he would, he was starting to, he planted that seed. And so I was experiencing 
experiencing it. So at the same time, again, I didn't realize that they were connected in the trying to do the astral projection and astral production is not separate really is what you're saying. It's like you could be in those dream states and you're there, but it's the consciousness connection. So that I think is extremely important. And I think that's why it happened when I was in the dream where I was like, I don't want to be here. This is not blah, blah, blah. And then I shot out. I was also been practicing for three months or so, right? And so it was just connected that way. And how amazing. And I think that is something that also um, for anyone listening, that there is also a something quite incredible about this happening organically and spontaneously, even though there was some practice element to it. You know, you don't have to have everything figured out when you're doing this. You just need to be in it and try and um, remain as awake and aware as you can so that you can deal with whatever comes up for you and if need be shift it right so very much in the dreamscape you um you know one of the key differences is that in a lucid dream you will very much be able to control the environment around you um so you'll be able to wipe the dreamscape clear um get rid of any psychological projections be able to call things forth and back you can make yourself big small whatever it is in astral traveling although you can influence things a lot of the time and you are able to change things not everything disappears always and so that's also a helpful differentiator for people who go through dream work which i think actually happens quite organically for a lot of people and they just don't recognize this that when you're doing astral work, that's sometimes the clear delineator between, okay, was this just a dream? And even still, when you dream, you're connected to spirit every night anyway. Um, So there never really is just a dream. And then is this, where was I exactly with my astral experiences? No, that's really good to clarify. Because if you do think about it, when you're dreaming, you're dreaming, you're in that dream state. And so it's truly about almost, it's not manifesting because it's not in the physical, but you're manifesting it in that dream world, that dream realm. I know you said you're not, don't necessarily like that, but that dimension, if we want to call it a dimension or space. (laughs) So there's that. And then with the astral, it's almost like it's, you're in between those states. And so, but it is, I think, like solar spirit in the sense that then you're experiencing, maybe it's not real time because time doesn't really exist, but you're experiencing that more specifically a little bit because that area around you is not necessarily just the true dream state or the dream world. Right. You're actually going to places. Um, right. You know, and and also there is that with um, dream practices, but it's it gets complicated. So I feel like, you know, if it's a beginner path to astral traveling, to dream work, it's really helpful at the beginning to just focus on the easy stuff. And then also to, to allow this dreamscape and the astral realms to show you what you are exploring. I really don't think anything is accidental when you are traveling. And I really like the idea that um, again, this isn't mine. I was reading this the other day. I can't remember where. I'll have to try and find the link for you after this. But someone was saying that when they astral project, that they their entire experience was just for them recognize the enormity, recognizing the enormity of their own soul. And so a lot of the experiences he had, but he also mixed dream work with astral travel, was recognizing what was a past life experience being lived? Well, it's not really past, like you were saying, because the time 
quite irrelevant, but something influencing a current time reality in the present and being able to access that either through dreams, conscious dreaming, or through astral traveling. So if it's all about what you're learning on a soul level and you're doing that through your astral body or your dream body, it's quite amazing. How cool is that? I mean, it really is amazing because you know, we're, we're above, we come to the earth, we have these experiences, we're here physically. And this is a tool that, or an aspect of ourselves that we forget that we can tap into, right? To use so much more than just, and I'm not knocking meditation, but then just like one or certain practice. It's like you just another thing to add to your arsenal about your spiritual growth and development. Completely. And I think what's really nice about it is that you know, especially with dream work, you do that naturally every night anyway. And so simple practices like setting an intention before bed can change the entire experience. And it doesn't take 20 minutes. It doesn't need to take like 20 minutes out of your life to be able to set a good intention to have good um, dream experiences. And if you astral travel, good astral experiences. So the intention can simply be that. So I had a couple of weeks of restless sleep um, just because we have a new cat that's been. Um, <laughs> I know that all too well. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I haven't really been sleeping so well and kind of waking up a lot during the night, which actually for me is n not really a bad thing because then I just try and go into lucid dreaming as quickly as I can. And I hadn't been lucid, hadn't been lucid for about two weeks and hadn't practiced any daytime things because I was just feeling too exhausted, a bit like what you were saying about meditation, right? And I found myself in a dream and I was in a car and it was an old car, but everything else looked normal and right. So I didn't recognize that it was a dreamscape. And then I looked on the window on the left-hand side of me in the car and there was writing on the window and I realized it was this old embossed writing on the window and how could it be there? And then I, I wasn't, didn't actually become conscious, didn't recognize that I was fully dreaming in that moment. And then I was like, how can this be here? How can this be here? Then the dream figure who was driving the car tried to distract me from becoming lucid and was like, you, you know, this is really happening. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? And I said, no, this has to be a dream. This has to be a dream. I said, I'll prove it to you. I'm talking to my dream, the, the driver, I'll prove it to you. And I'm, so I try and put my hand through the window of the car and it doesn't go through. And now I'm really confused because I can't recognize, oh, damn, this is reality, but I can't remember how I've gotten here. And it's also not a dream. So I'm very confused in my state, in my, my dream state. So I said, okay, I'm just going to astral travel. And boom, like that, I was out. And then I recognized what it was. And so I think it really, really just depends on where you're at in your life at the moment, what's happening around you, how much persistence you bring to a practice. And in a lot of ways, how stubborn you can be, you know, and um, because I was thinking about, I was really stubborn in that dream. I just kind of thought this, this is so weird. And everyone's like, this is real. This is completely real. You, you know, you're crazy. You're crazy. And I was like, this is not real. This is a dream. And so I think that's also something that, you know, you really don't know how the imagery is going to come up for you when we go to sleep, when we practice to astral travel, 
from a waking state, you don't know what the experience ahead of you is going to be, but you can rely on yourself and you can rely on practices that can, that waking day practices that can help you. And so that's where I think the meditation stuff is very helpful because it brings in a level of awareness and a level of sort of emotional regulation that if you practice it enough, it should be able to kick in 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 the astral realms, in the dream realm. Yeah, no, that's a great, great point for sure. And it, again, it goes back to every single person and where they are, like you said earlier, where they kind of are on their path. And also on top of it, like you said, the day-to-day experiences that they're going through, right? Um, and all of that. And if they've practiced and how stubborn they may be, because I think that that definitely helps to some extent, or maybe it's not stubborn as much as it, you know, motivated in terms of the intent, right? So before we get it to your books and everything else, what kind of myths or misconceptions do you feel or have you heard about that we just kind of want to knock out and say, yeah, that's not actually true at all? Because um, I had heard a whole bunch about like, if you you astrally project, then like you're going to be separated from your body. And if somebody moves your body at night, then your soul can't return or whatever it is like that. So that's just one that just stuck out in my head. Are there any others from your standpoint that you would like to share? I think a lot of times I hear about really negative things. So people saying, you know, if you're astral traveling, you're going to dark places. Um, you shouldn't mess with it. This isn't something that you should do. So I hear a lot of that and I, I normalize that a lot for people. Um, and even with lucid dream work, you know, I hear, um, often hear or dream work, should I say, people often critique, you know, this is like a, a natural, mysterious process that happens why are you trying to control it you know most people who astral project they have the problem of getting back into their bodies too quickly and it can really feel like you're being pulled back like someone's yanking you right back into your body um so i you know no in terms of worrying about that like you're going to get separated i think it's like fear fear mongering but i do think that there is it is helpful to get sort of beginner practices under control before you try and attempt really difficult things. Your goal shouldn't be like, all right, the first time I'm going to try this, I want to go to planet Pluto (laughs) or outside of Earth. Maybe you start with your living room, like you said, right? Or Mm -hmm. maybe I'm just cautious in that way. And I think people will, if someone's listened to that and had like a huge inner like no in you know in response to it cool then go for it do do what you do personally that would frighten me um so I would not go for that and I wouldn't recommend it either I think exactly what you're saying there's a level of prudence that people should take towards it and also something here where this is something that I've been thinking about a lot and I was speaking to I am going to co-host the uh, Dream Summit for the Shift Network. And we were inviting speakers that are going to come onto it. And it's going to be an amazing talk with a whole lot of dreamers from all over the world. And we've invited an Incan medicine woman and shaman. They actually, he doesn't like the term shaman. He actually likes the word maestro. And I was thinking about it. We were speaking that there's really something about being in a modern world. And I feel this, it's like a modern issue. It's not a location thing. I don't think it's just being in the West. You know, I don't think it's just being in the States, for example. But a lot of the time when you come to practices like dream work, or even, you know, if you were to practice to become psychic, intuitive, a medium, you would go and sort of have some training so that you would one, be able to do 
that process well for other people and for yourself. And I think that there's something really to that, that a lot of the time in the modern world, because we have so much access to information and the practices are actually quite easy, like you were saying, you know, you're nine, you're nine years old, you can read a book. And I think also nine-year-olds tend to be, you know, kids tend to be a lot more open, actually, a lot of the time. But you, the practices in themselves are not so difficult. The techniques are not so difficult. But sometimes it's the stuff that comes up around it that needs containment, that needs a teacher, that needs someone to say like, oh, okay, I understand what you've done, I understand where you've been. This is what we found to be helpful. Um, So that's just something that's really been coming up for me. And I think for anyone really interested in this pathway, it doesn't need to be a physical teacher. It can be a book. It can be a really well-researched site or whatever, but just something so that you don't feel like you have to figure it all out on your own. Yes, that is so, so important. And that's exactly why I wanted the show was because of that. It's like you, you are drawn, like there's no mistakes. You know, the universe will bring you the book, the person, the friend, the, the episode or the topic that you should be listening to or learn more about and that sort of thing. But oftentimes what I found and what we said earlier, if there's not the context or the other I guess more of like the story or the experience about what others have gone through, then it can be hard a little bit. Like you don't want to feel like you're alone in experiencing it. And you're absolutely right. It might not be a teacher as much as a mentor or just a group or a friend to talk about it, right? Exactly. I think maybe teacher exactly is a bit of a loaded word, but like mentor is a good one. And I think there's something to this. Like, I guess also if these things come up for you naturally, you know, like, that's also something to honor that I really don't think if you are experiencing it, that it wouldn't come up for you at the right time. And that's something worthy of exploring. Um, and then like exactly like you're saying, through through getting the support you need in whatever way that is, the right podcast, the right book, the right mentor, the right friend. I mean, I was thinking about it. Actually, most of the time it's, you know, my my explorations right at the beginning it was just me and my husband simply speaking to each other and saying like, this is what I experienced. Oh, wow. What about this? Try this, do this. And then I'm a, an, a real avid reader. So I like to read and I read a lot. And then it became a diligent practice that I feel led me to be able to, to teach other people. So I think it's all relative, actually. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I think, again, it just goes back to the fact that there are so many people out there who have had different experiences and just, you know, sometimes you may not think that your friends or even family would be into certain topics or things, but I found that people that are shy or maybe hesitant to share certain things when they do, then somebody, even a coworker will be like, oh my gosh, me too. I experienced that or whatever. There's so many people kind of in the closet a little bit about sharing those things. So even if you don't want to take it to the next level by finding a mentor per se, just a lot of times spirit and universe will bring you the people around you that you may not know to just kind of open up and share those experiences. But in our remaining time, I wanted to say thank you, by the way, for your books, um, well, for your books and your journal, because they've been super helpful for me. And again, I know we talked about it on the prior episode that you were on, but can you share what those are and how people can get a hold of either you or your books? Sure. Thank you. Um, So my book, The Alchemy of Your Dreams, is available worldwide everywhere, pretty much. Um, you can just go onto Amazon or bookshop.org. And then we, I created an accompanying 
Ooh, tongue tie. A dream journal that goes with <laughs> it. It's called the Deliberate Dreamers Journal. Um, and for anyone who would like to check out my website, it's www.athenalaz.com. And then I'm on Instagram at Athena underscore Laz. Thank you so much. Anything else that you would like to share that you feel led to share before we break? Um, nothing. we covered a lot we covered a lot so I just want to say thank you again for being you know joining and also reaching out I mean guys she saw your questions about out-of-body experiences and astral travel and she proactively reached out and I love that because um, one it just means we're going to stay in touch and talk about a lot more things in the future but two I truly feel that my guides and angels are the ones that are like helping me find this stuff because I'm like guys if you want me to keep doing this you got to make it easy and I feel like you probably saw that too you probably raised your hand like, I'm feeling led to do this. So I appreciate that. Well, it's so funny because I have to tell you, because you've just said this, I've put a timer on my phone. So I'm only allowed on Instagram for about five minutes, right? And that's oh, wow. interesting because yeah. I was spending way too much time on it. And I literally went in, saw your story and I was like, okay, let me quickly respond to this, responded to you and then got off the app. And it's like perfect timing. You have no idea. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I have so many other stories about that that I'll share later. But yes, thank you again. And I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at apsychicstory.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about or have a suggestion for a future guest? Send an email to contact at a psychicstory.com or leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you and you may even be featured on a future episode. If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. And if you want to hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at a psychicstory.com when you do, because it allows me to get in touch with you if your name is pulled in the drawing. Your name stays in until you win. 